Hello and welcome to Training Them Wisely Discipling Kids. I'm Renee Christensen, author of Training Them Wisely Discipling Kids, my new book that's out on Amazon. And if you haven't already, I hope that you will head over and check it out. I am incredibly excited about our guests that we're going to have on today. Um, I have learned so much from her personally as I've listened to her shows. She is just such an amazing woman of faith, and I can't wait for y'all to get to listen to some of her wisdom today. Marty is an international leadership mentor, the author of 14 books, the host of her own radio talk show, a media expert, and a keynote speaker for organizations around the world. Fun and fast-paced, yet peaceful and approachable, her history includes fires, floods, a tornado, car wrecks, business setbacks, a burglary, lightning strike, ambulance rides, and more. She models comeback behavior, possibility thinking, and profound faith. As the web hostess of WomenSpeakers.com, the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, she connects event planners with speakers from every experience level, fee range, and denomination. As a public speaker, she has presented for large corporations including Honeywell, Prudential, and Pillsbury, for nonprofit groups including Chambers of Commerce, professional women's groups, colleges and libraries, and for Christian women's retreats, conferences, and other programs around the world. As a media personality, she hosts a number one ranked and featured blog talk radio show, plus has appeared on hundreds of TV and radio shows and is frequently interviewed for newspaper, magazine, and blog articles. I am so excited that she is here today, and I cannot wait for y'all to get to hear her speak. So I am so delighted to be able to speak with Marnie today, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me here, Renee, and it's great to talk about being a parent, right, and a grandparent. So many things to learn. My parents were such great role models for me. They loved God, they loved each other, and they loved us girls. There are four girls in my family. So I was blessed to come to know Jesus at a very young age. I was age four when I realized I was naughty. (laughs) That wasn't going to cut it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I accepted Jesus as my savior and just have walked on with him into uh, a life of lots of challenges as uh, you know, you heard before, but um, one of the things was I didn't really learn how to read well until I was an adult. And so school was always so, so challenging for me. And as I became an adult, got out from under the pressure, I did learn to read and I was just reading everything I could find in the whole world, like reading, reading, reading. And then I got married, had kids, and we homeschooled our kids from K through 12. And I would never change that. We have three kids. Mark is our oldest, uh, Karen is our second, and Tim is our youngest. And they're, of course, all now in their 30s and uh, doing great. So great to be here. Well, I did not know that you homeschooled. So we have seven kids and we started wow. homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> we started homeschooling our eldest when she was in third grade. Okay. So that's something that we have been able to do as well. And um, we actually have a child who struggles to read because of vision. Mm. And yeah. so that's been interesting, um, learning mm. to disciple him in a different way and different methods right. for him to be able to listen to the Bible. So, you know, there's so many resources yeah. available now with that, but that's something I did not know that we share. That's really, that's really awesome. Well, I just hand it to you because seven is amazing. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. I'm, I definitely stay busy. <laughs> yes. So when we disciple kids, we do have them for a long time and discipleship for our children is a marathon, you know, because we have them for many years And I do like to be able to have a vision and set goals for what I'm trying to teach my children. 
And can you just kind of explain the power behind having a mission and vision and goal setting and how that can help us as we parent our children and disciple them? When I was early in the stages of deciding whether to homeschool or not, I did a little calculation and discovered that for 13 years of just the school hours, it would be about 10,000 hours of my time that I would put into one child. And that made me really think, okay, if I'm going to put in 10,000 hours, what do I want out of it? And, you know, I, I got to the point because I had barely graduated from high school myself and just had like taken a couple college classes, just no college virtually. And um, I really was intimidated by the whole thing. Uh, what am I supposed to teach them? And what I decided was that I would use generic or regular curriculum guidelines for each, what they should know at the end of each year. But then I would also, every morning, I would pray, God, help me teach them what they need to know for life, because you know, and mm -hmm. I don't. And so that became my mission and my vision, that I would teach them what they needed to know for life. And I would do it using the best resources I could find in the world. And also, more importantly, tapping into the best resource ever, which is God, their father who created them uniquely. Yes. And that is the power of mission and vision. So we're a very entrepreneurial family. We didn't start out that way so much. I mean, I had a business before we got married, but Dave has a master's degree and he was always in corporate and in manufacturing and things like that. So uh, when we got to the point where our kids were coming into the teen years, our family made a shift and we bought a business and then we bought another business and then we combined three businesses into one business and we became very entrepreneurial and our kids were raised in that setting. And so my husband's goal with that was that they would come to understand how to run business from a biblical worldview. And so two of our kids are currently uh, working independently. And then our daughter, um, she prefers to work for a company and get a paycheck. Uh, that, that's her preference. But right now she's at home raising the kids. So uh, just I think the key is when you go in with an idea of what you're trying to accomplish versus just should I homeschool first grade? And that is a, that is a goal, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or should I put my children into this private school or into this public school? Those are goals and those have outcomes. But when we think about the bigger picture and with a child, you actually have a bigger picture. You do. It really changes how you invest into the days instead of just doing the day to get through the day. You actually have a mission and a purpose and a goal at the end that you're working toward. Yes. And to make sure that that mission and purpose and goal is what, what truly matters. So. Right. And, and it's going to be different for every parent, right? Every yes. parent, every grandparent and every child. Uh, it, it's like you, it's not a cookie cutter thing. And no. that's one of the things my parents really taught me, uh, growing up was that the unique, the value of the uniqueness of Marnie. And, uh, I was, I was second in line. My older sister was like a salutatorian of her class and I was barely graduating, you know, and they were able to just nurture me through that the best they could at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, with the information they had to give me the courage to step out and be all that God created me to be as an adult. 
And God made everyone fearfully and wonderfully. And whenever he gave each child to their parent, he did so for a reason. So regardless (laughs) of the challenges that each child has, God equips you to be able to take care of their specific needs, especially whenever you're turning to him and having seven children, they are so unique and so different. And God did make each of them with unique gifts and talents that they can use for his glory and to be able to... Very much so. I try to make sure that each of my children are discipled individually in that way with specifically their different strengths that that God's given them right? and to be able to encourage those. And what's beautiful is that God knew that he was giving these children to you. Yes. So while someone else would say, oh, that'd be impossible, seven children for you, it's not because for you, he gifted you and he's giving you grace every single day. To yes. accomplish this purpose. Yes, he is. Exactly. Yeah. He never makes mistakes and you right. can always turn to him. And whenever, you know, anytime that you do feel like it's a difficult thing to be able to do, um, like particularly with a couple of my kids that have special needs, that's whenever you can lean back even further into yeah. God and get the, you know, whenever you're relying on Absolutely. your own versus relying on God's strength. And I think that that's really the mission and goals and everything that we're setting. We want to do that based on what he is calling us to do for each of our children to be specific. So yes, that's awesome. Okay. So young mothers, I've, I've had this question from several people. They can feel like they're not accomplishing a lot in their day-to-day life um, because they see other people that are going out and working in soup kitchens, working with the homeless that are going out into the different job environments or just serving in different ways. And they can feel like it's just not accomplishing a lot whenever they are pouring into their children, but God gave us these children for a reason. And we're supposed to be showing biblical love to these kids, showing them, you know, caring for them. And it is actually something that is important. And whenever you're doing it (laughs) and it's what God calls you to do, that is a successful thing that you're doing for him that he wants you to be doing. So can you speak some to that? Yes, indeed. So we, um, when we had children, I had been an award-winning sales uh, rep and manager. And so I came home from a very, um, you know, very intense as well as in, in sales, because I was always winning the top things, a lot of public kudos and accolades for that work. And so I came home to quiet. I came home to one child, you know, the birth of one child that needed care. And I remember <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Like, I am not sure if this is really the best use of my time and talents, God. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one day I was changing Mark's diaper and, and I was, I looked up and I'm like, I'm like, so, you know, (laughs) and God's like, you can, you can get an eternal reward for this Marnie. I'm like, how, how? (laughs) And he said, because anything that I do through you results in an eternal reward. So if you want to just do motherhood on your own, you'll do just as good as you can. And that's the outcome you're going to get. But if you let me do it my way through you, then you get my outcomes. And that changed my life, Renee. 
I was I like, love that. Really changing a diaper, huh? That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then going forward and understanding success. And, you know, I, I really had a, I, I do a lot of training on this now, uh, but I really had to d- dive into that and dissect it a little bit because the, the definition of success is the achievement of a goal. So you set a goal out there. I want to raise this child to be a responsible, independent, God-loving adult, right? Okay. But that's 18 years from now. (laughs) So what do you do today? (laughs) And the problem with that definition, the problem with that definition is that you do have to wait so long to get there. Mm-hmm. You stand up on the podium, you get the gold medal, done, da-da. <laughs> and then what happens? Because honestly, you don't know what happens after yes. that. Uh, so God, God shifted that around in my head too. So I no longer, I mean, still that is a definition of success, of course, but I see the definition of success is this. It's God's well done, my good and faithful servant. And before I go to sleep every night, I just check in and say, how is it with us today? And God either says, fantastic, good night, sweetheart, have a good sleep. Or I hear there's a couple of things we might need to talk about (laughs) (laughs) before we go to sleep. You know, I mean, the thing is, we don't have to wait to know if we're doing okay. No. And this gives mothering and this gives life, in fact, a whole new dimension when every day stands alone as a pass fail, as a win loss, as a learning or a growing experience, or as a, you know, chalk it up another day in the wind call, you know, and, and no matter what, and I always define, I always find, define failure as the opportunity to learn something new. Failure mm-hmm. equals feedback. That's all it is. That's all it is. And if we look at any person in the Bible, we're going to see that all of them. Basically, Daniel is the only one I could never find one thing wrong with. I think he might have been perfect. But the rest of them, you know, pretty lousy. Yes, yes. And God uses those lousy people and says what that is. And it shows anyone can be used by him. Yes. Yes, right. And David, his favorite king, he he had done so many things wrong, but I think the reason he was his favorite King, God's favorite King was because David was so authentic and David mm-hmm. had full confidence in God that he was going to forgive him and move on, forgive him and move on. And that's what God's looking for from us. So if I failed today, I lost my temper, whatever it was, I failed today. I just say, God, you know, and Elizabeth Elias would say sin quick, cleanse quick. Yes. Yeah. Don't yes. linger. Don't linger in it. Don't linger yes. in it. If That's what fail, my dad says. Keep a short sin list. As soon as right. you sin, ask as soon as you recognize it, ask forgiveness and move on. Cause yes. guess what? The rest of today is still here and tomorrow is a brand new day. Yes. I love that. So I actually left. Um, so mine, I stayed home after three children. And that's how long it took for us to be able to have me be able to stay home. And whenever I did stay home, I ended up starting a business and it grew really quickly. Um, I was in the top 0.01% of all websites within a year. Um, New York Times bestselling author, speaking everywhere, all of this stuff. And I felt like God was calling me to just stop and come home to be with my children. And I did. I ended up selling my business and coming home to be with them. And everybody looked at me and they're like, how can you give up so much success to come home and be with your babies? And I was like, well, 
following God's will is success. Amen. <laughs> it doesn't matter man's accolades versus what God's given me and God's given me these children to raise. And so as long as I am basically what you said, day to day, trying to stay in the center of his will and that that might be where he has you at the time. And that's where he's had me for 10 years. I've been at home, just at home, and I've been able to invest in my children. And I think it's been, I've loved it. I've loved being able to do it. Yes, it doesn't measure up to man's success, but it does measure up to what God's called me to do, which therefore, <laughs> I mean, what else could I want to do than what his being in the center of his will? You know, um, we have this conversation sometimes that, you know, why does God just tell us what to do? You know, why is he just saying, you know, just say yes to what I ask you to do. And I was, I've been trying to think of the right analogy for it and I can't quite come up with it yet, but if I was the designer of a Ferrari and then I saw somebody trying to take it on a, as a gondola down the water, you know, down the water path, I'd be like, stop, 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 stop. You know, it's not, not going to work out. This, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> you know? And, and the thing is that when we are doing life, the way God created us to do, and he, he actually, he spun together 3 billion base pair of DNA to make me, me and you, you. Yes. Very different from each other. Yes. And, and if we will do life his way, doing what he calls us to do, therein is success and not only success, but delight. Delight and, and peace. Peace. Yes. The whole package. <laughs> yes. All of that. And you can have that with your kids as you're doing it. So it does matter. Um, and it's, it's just an important thing that we are called to do. So I think that was very encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. So partnering with God, we've kind of touched on some of this. So God knows our kids better than we can ever know them. He loves them more than we could ever love them. Um, and we want to partner with God as we raise and disciple our kids. This really hit home with me. Um, during COVID I became very ill, not with COVID, but I actually developed a kidney. Um, mm. my kidneys weren't working correctly and, I wasn't sure how much longer, how much more time I had here on earth. Wow. And I had really wrestled with leaving, possibly leaving my children when they were so young, still some of them. And God just reassured me that there's no way I could ever love them like he does. There's no way I could ever plan for them like he does. And that if it was my time to be with him, then he would take care of those children better than I ever could. And so Whenever we have a God that knows everything and that is almighty and that loves us so much, we can put so much trust in him. So we do not want to just parent our children on our own. We want to be able to partner with God as we parent our children. So what wisdom can you give us about that? <laughs> I will in a second, but what's coming to my mind is the day that God had a little chat with me about that too. It was a little different though, because I was perfectly healthy and I was just... Uh, juggling a lot of balls and I was working hard and I was feeling so proud, so, so proud about me parenting our children. <laughs> it was just one of those moments, you know, where everything's going, okay. And you're like, yes, yeah, you know, what would they ever do without me? And I, I was having this prideful moment and God just interrupted my thoughts. And he said, Marnie, what would they do without you? And I said, well, um, you mean like if I died and said, yep. What would, what would they do without you? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, hmm, they would probably get remarried and somebody else would raise them and they'd be just fine. <laughs> you know? And he's like, right, this is a privilege. Mm -hmm. This is a privilege and a responsibility 
don't be, don't be like that, you know, be grateful, grateful, yes, grateful yes. for the privilege of raising your kids. Not like somebody owes you something major for this, all this work you're doing. And, you know, honestly, when you're in it, man, it's a ton of work. It is. And not, not a lot of gratitude, really. No. You know, no. you, you just have to look to Jesus for that fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so having said that, then the relationship that matters most is your relationship with God. Yes. And if you neglect that, not only do you sense the loss of that, but your whole family does. And uh, I wrote a book a few years ago called Flow Through Vessel. Uh, because our lives are kind of like a straw. That's what we're supposed to be. And we all think that we're supposed to be the cup and that when people suck on our lives, we give them good stuff out of what we got, you know, but we're actually supposed to be the straw. We are, we are created as a straw, not as a cup. We're created as a straw and what our straw, what our life is submerged in is what people get when they suck on our lives, when they Mm -hmm. come into our presence, hungry or thirsty what they're going to get is what we are submerged in. Now, if I'm submerged in myself, that's what they're going to get. They're going to get, and that's the extent of what I can give them. Yes. But if I'm submerged in Jesus, yes, then He's flowing through me, which is a benefit to me first, to them, which mm-hmm. is a benefit to them, and it has an eternal value. So I think about First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians thirteen, right? The love chapter. Yes. And the beginning of it, you know, we all know the middle part that is, you know, love never fails and it's so Mm -hmm. patient and all that. But the beginning part talks about the difference between human love, which is either a sexual love, a mother's love or a friend's love. And then it talks about agape love, which is God's love. Okay. So the first, that whole chapter is really talking about God's love. The the only way you can get God's love is if you have God. Yes. (laughs) If he's, (laughs) if you're submerged in him and he's flowing through you, you can actually give people his love. If he's not, you can only give him the best of your love that you can. And so it says in the beginning of that chapter, you know, if I, even if I gave all my uh, goods to the poor and sold everything I had and gave the money to the poor, it would be what of no value eternally. Now, does it have an immediate value? Yeah. The poor got it. They got something to eat or whatever. Awesome. But if you actually want an eternal value from your efforts on planet earth, then we have to do them through God because we simply can't fake him or uh, reproduce him in some way outside of him that would have an eternal result. The only way is when he's flowing through our lives. So that is my just bottom line. Is this being done in and through Christ for his glory? Or am I trying to do something to prove something to myself or somebody else or just get something done or whatever? Yes. And if you're doing it in love, I found that that's whenever your motive is correct. And that's whenever you can make sure that you're not doing it in pride because you can't do it from selfishness. You have to do it you know, and I, yes, I love that chapter actually with my discipleship groups. That's the chapter that we memorize because yes, I think that that so is good. so important. And whenever I view it as a, I've kind of do a, it's like, it's overflowing whenever you are. So yep. whenever you love God and you are spending all of this time with him and having this relationship with him, that is truly a loving relationship. Then that love just does. It goes, like you said, through the straw, I would say overflowing, but yes. it does. It's mm-hmm. like, it can overflow. It's, it's kind of like everybody can be splashed with whatever it is that That's you've right. got in your heart. And just, um, just even, and God's so good in that as you're spending time with him in his word, it seems like the majority of the time that people come up and they need something, need advice, need, it's 
I've read something that morning that I'm able to share with them because that's how God works. He knows everything. He knows exactly where you're going to be in his word, exactly what they're going to be going through. And he can connect you together so that that can spread to them. And so, yeah, I love that. I love the, your picture of a straw. That's awesome. And just so important because really we do want people to be drawn to us. We want people to see Jesus. We don't want them to be see us. We want them to see him in us. And so if they're drawn to us, that's who we want them to see, because that's what we want them to, that's what we want them to know. We want them to have that relationship. And if you truly are showing the love of Jesus, I do think people are drawn to you in that way to where they are drawn to him ultimately so that they can see the difference is it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. I think, you know, I think of um, our children, you know, we, we love for our children to excel. We love yes. for them to go out and do sports or do, do, you know, do adventures with God, you know, whatever. And does that reflect on us? Oh my goodness. Yes, it does. And is our DNA in them? Yep, yes. it is, you know? And so this is, it's all very much uh, congruent with this. And, you know, the Bible talks about what you're talking about, the overflowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, that's so biblical that as we are filled up with him, then when people come anywhere around us, it is the aroma of Christ. Of him that they yeah, see. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that they're drawn to because that's yeah. what true love looks like. So um, we've kind of gone, gone into this, but spiritual growth, I think it's so important. They, I've, I've written my book, Training Them Wisely, Discipling Kids. The whole first half of the book, even though it's about discipling kids, is actually about spiritually growing as a parent, because really, if you are not spiritually growing, if you are not, and you can always start somewhere, you know, there's different times in your life where you realize that you need to start. For me, I was age 28. I had grown up in the church. I've studied the Bible. I've had my quiet time, but at age 28, I was like, no, I want to spend hours in God's word. I want Mm -hmm. to know it. And I wanted to know it immediately. And I was like, God was like, no, you start somewhere, (laughs) start and learn. And that's what we can always do. You can always start any age, you can start at some point truly knowing God's word and being able to grow spiritually. But that spiritual growth that we have is so important. And it's important that our kids see it in us. And it's that's how we can actually disciple our children. I feel like there's you can't give what you don't have and you can't share what you don't know. In today's world, there are so many lies out there that if you don't know God's word, I don't want to deceive my kids. I want to teach them the truth. So I've got to be speaking from the truth, which I find in the Bible, not my own ideas, not my own opinions. I want them to be based in God's word. And so spiritual growth for parents, what, what are some (laughs) ways that that you want to speak about that for parents? Uh, you and I have so many uh, mantras. We say the same, (laughs) I can't give what you don't have. And that's so true. If you don't have God's grace, you can't give it. If you don't have the wisdom from your own life, you can't share it. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, God loves them more than I do. That's a phrase that I say all the time, especially in times of trauma. That phrase is so comforting to me. And especially with adult children, um, when they're not here, I can't, I can't really physically get involved with them like I could when they were little. And yes. you know, I, I missed that part, but I love how it's driven me to a deeper prayer life, um, a different kind of prayer yes. life than when they were with me in presence. Uh, so yeah, now this one, I think again, just what you said, I'm just going to key off of that because you said just, you know, start that Bible thing where you are. And I remember, 
I remember one day um, just going into the bathroom to just sit for a moment and grabbing a magazine next to me to look at while I was just in the bathroom. And I just had some magazines in the little thing there. And, um, and there was just this thought, you know, I really don't want that. What I really want is you. Yes. And I changed and I, I stopped my magazine subscriptions and I just changed and I put, you know, like the, my utmost for his highest and a couple other, a couple other little books like that in the bathroom that were short reads, very short reads. And I could just, you know, get a little charge up with God in the minutes that I had. And then uh, when my daughter was born, I would get up earlier and earlier trying to beat her up, beat her up. That sounded so terrible. <laughs> Arise before her in the morning. <laughs> and she would just wake up. As soon as she heard me, she would wake up and I couldn't, I could not do it. I couldn't, I couldn't keep getting up earlier and earlier. And so I just finally kind of threw my hands up in the air and I said, God, you know what? I'm just going to give you the top 10 minutes I have each day. And that's what we're going to do. I'm going to just say whenever I have the first 10 minutes I have alone, typically it was during a nap time, um, you get the top 10. And then what happened is, you know, and my commitment wasn't just to 10 minutes, but I just knew some days that was all I could give him. I needed to rest or something like that. But uh, what happened is some days I'd spend two hours with him and it, it changed it kind of from feeling like an obligation to being the relationship that he's always meant it to be. Yes. And I just encourage you guys, wherever you're at with it, just as you get more hungry for God, just find times to connect with him. And now, you know, this took me 10 years to learn this one, but now I enjoy every bite eating with God. So either before or during each bite, I just pause to be grateful and connect consciously with God. That took me so long, a decade to learn how to do that because it takes a lot of concentration to do that, right? It does. Yeah. So why would I bother with that? It's because I understand that God is always present with me yes. in my spirit, but my conscious is a whole different thing. <laughs> He's often very far away from my thoughts because I've pushed him there. I've left him out. And I just decided that because food was such a constant thing that we do, you know, we have many bites every day. Um, I, I just decided that that would be a great training ground for me to understand how to incorporate the conscious awareness of God into my life at a higher level. And I just, I just love it. And now it is more, you know, it is more like a breath. It is just breathing. Um, but other, other things that I have is like when I'm getting dressed in the morning, I'm putting on my spiritual armor. Yes. And when I started doing that, it took me 45 minutes or an hour to get through it. Now I can do it like in 30 seconds flat. I mean, as, <laughs> yes. and, and these things, God pulls us into these also memorizing scripture, always yes. having a verse card in my pocket or on my dash or on my desk mm -hmm. or whatever meditating on and memorizing that scripture. And, you know, I use the word meditation here, but I just want to encourage you the world's way, the enemy's way to do meditation is to empty your yes. mind. Mm -hmm. God's way is to, to fill it, it mm -hmm. with something that's useful and yes. helpful. But what happens is as we're memorizing a scripture, one verse, don't take on a whole passage at once, unless that's easy for you. But for someone like me, one verse, mm -hmm. and I just go over it and over it and over it until it fits like a glove. And it's an old friend. And I have thought about it every which way. And it is not mentally cumbersome to review that verse. 
it is just joyous. And I don't have like, I don't have pressure on myself, how long it should take me to memorize it. Or even if I'm supposed to be able to remember the reference or say it in public, it's just for me and God take all of the pressure off and just relax into the presence of God. Every opportunity you get, there's one more little strategy again, back to Elizabeth Elliot. I remember her one time and she was so popular on the radio when I was a young mom. So that's why her name comes up at this uh, point. But uh, I remember her saying, do your children know how often you pray during the day? She said, how could they, unless you sometimes verbalize that? And I thought, wow, I'm sure they can't imagine how many times I'm checking in with God per day. So I began to speak out loud, like at the sink and they'd be like, who are you talking to mom? Who are you talking to? And I'd be like, I'm talking to God always do Just sometimes I'm going to say it out loud so you can hear me. And that really changed uh, their perspective of God's role in our lives. Yes. I love that. Wherever you can start, start, don't, don't feel guilty about it. Just if you want to hang out with Jesus more, he's ready and available. Yes. And one thing, so um, for the praying out loud, every time I walk down the hallway, I pray for my children. So it's just oh, a habit I do you know, and they, and I do it out loud so mm-hmm. that they hear me. And one of my daughters said, love I know that. how much you love me because every time that you walked down the hallway, I know you're praying for us. And just, Huge. just that little thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't take any yeah. extra time. I have a long hallway. I'm walking down it anyway. And yet they're hearing me pray. They're hearing me do this. And we, you're being an example that they want to imitate and kids want to imitate their parents. And the other thing is that I always encourage everybody to do pray that God gives you that desire to spend time with him. That's a prayer. He wants to answer and he'll do that. (laughs) You know, I think Renee too, uh, you know, you and I are still on the same page here with a lot of things. Um, one of the things that we've talked about here a little bit is the habits that we're developing that just incorporate into the day. The thing is we have habits. I, I do a lot of work on this in flow through vessel, because uh, if you have a habit of walking down the hall and not praying, mm-hmm. you've maybe walked down that hall 10,000 times, it, you know, and I, I compare it to like uh, a pasta. So if you got some uh, spaghetti, pasta and it's hard and you want to break it in half. If you took the whole two pound box, you're not going to break it in half. You're not going to make Mm -hmm. a new habit that fast. If it's an ingrained habit like that, you've got a lot of undoing to do before that new habit is in place. And I just encourage you to just take a little chunk at a time and just say, even if I can remember one time today, one time this week, you know, be kind to yourself and know that God totally gets how we're built. (laughs) He made our brains to do habits. But he also made them to be able to replace a habit with a better one. And you and Mm -hmm. I, we have spent, I can tell just from our conversation here that you've spent a lot of time developing the kind of habits that not only nurture your children, but walking down the hall, Mm -hmm. connecting with God consciously in a praiseworthy manner where you Mm -hmm. are being changed as you walk down the hall, every time you walk down the hall, it changes our experience in life to do God at this level of intentionality. It does. It makes a huge difference. And then your children can imitate it. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. You giving your wisdom. I've learned so much from you. So where can my listeners find you, hear you speak? Cause I love listening to you speak. So, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Over at Marnie.com. It's just my name, M-A-R-N-I-E.com. I'm old enough that I was able to actually get in early on the internet and get my own name. (laughs) But uh, anyway, there's so much stuff over there. I do have a radio talk show that has a lot of training modules in it and a mentorship program for those who want to dive deeper. There's a mission vision training over there. If you've never touched your toe to that, I encourage you to check that out because just identifying what your main reason for doing what you're doing is 
will really change your outcome and it will change your enjoyment of the process along the way. So, and Renee, I just want to just commend you for, for this show as well as just for your life that is modeling uh, how to get close to Jesus and, and share him with our children. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. it's so needed in the world today. So congratulations and bravo to you. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time so much. (laughs) 